Hello, welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and today we are reading Coveted Kiss. It's the third book in the Savage Security series. It picks up right where Avenging Kiss left off and ties together a few dangling threads. The twists and turns in this romantic thriller hold the reader's focus through multiple points of view, giving the reader a peek into each character's perspective. This book has everything action, mystery, revenge, and romance. So, get comfy, turn up the volume, and let's read a book. 16. After finding the bug, Logan had rushed to Savage Securities to study it. He had a microscope at home, but nothing as powerful as the digital compound microscope at work. Plus, with the large monitor to display what was on the slide, when he needed to debrief his teammates, they would be able to see for themselves what he was talking about. Logan was hunched over at the microscope table, adjusting a slide when Cole rapped on the lab door and entered. Hey, Logan said, straightening and looking at the men as they filed into the lab behind Cole. The men grunted their responses and circled around the table where Logan sat. Cole stopped beside Logan's chair and crossed his arms over his chest. How's it going? Cole asked, jutting his chin towards the monitor. Logan turned around and faced the men. I've got a mystery here. He lifted one prepared slide and couldn't help but smile. He'd never seen anything like this before. Tyson leaned forward and squinted at the slide. What's the joke? It looks like a grain of rice. He tossed his hands out in question. No joke, Logan replied. This is the bug that Aditya planted on my computer. He set the slide on the stage of the microscope. The image was magnified on the monitor. Turning towards the monitor, he pointed at the image on the screen. A whitish oval made of metal was magnified. It had the basic look of a bug, but it was a fraction of the size of any of the smallest bugs they'd ever used. Ryan pointed to the screen. That's the bug? It was unlike anything he'd ever seen. How does it work? What powers something that small? Logan wasn't sure if he was excited about this or scared shitless. Good question. This stuff is not available on the open market. This is high-end, cutting-edge technology. Someone with some serious connections gave this to Aditya. Tyson shifted his weight, spreading his legs and crossing his arms, taking a defensive stance. Are you thinking government sponsor? They'd been involved in various countries rooting out terrorism, and not all the countries had been happy about their presence. Cole carefully picked up a slide from the table. Be careful with that, Logan said. If Cole dropped that slide, it could take hours to find the battery again. Cole studied his grip and studied the slide. Is this something? I don't see anything. That didn't sit right in his gut. That's right, you don't. Logan shook his head. Once I put the bug under the microscope, I was able to find the power source. He pointed to the slide in Cole's hand. On that slide is a nano battery. The acid in Jack's stomach erupted. He rubbed his fist over his chest. Who the hell was after them? Not your average thug bent on killing innocent people. Will you be able to figure out where this came from? Jack asked. What countries would have access to that kind of technology? Why give it to Aditya? Cole handed the slide to Logan, who then slid it under the microscope. The nano battery was magnified and displayed on the monitor. Cole had never seen anything like it, and he'd seen some weird stuff during his time in the military. Logan, 
You focus on tracing where that thing came from, Cole said. They needed more information, and they needed it now. The pizza delivery should be here any minute. After eating, the rest of you can start your assignments. We need to figure out who's coming at us and shut them down fast. 17. Wednesday evening. Mike pulled open the door to Sultan's Feast and immediately noticed the din of multiple languages spoken by the late dinner crowd. He wasn't fluent in the languages of the Middle East, but with his time immersed in the culture, he did recognize many of the words and phrases. The patrons ranged from couples to families. Most of the patrons wore American-style clothes, while a few wore the traditional clothes of their homeland. As he took in the restaurant, Mike spotted a big man seated in a booth in the corner. The man glared at him, but Mike didn't hold his stare. Instead, he quickly glanced at the man so that it would appear as if he hadn't noticed the guy. Jack also spotted the man in the corner as soon as his boots hit the aged linoleum. Letting the door close behind him, he noticed an open table in the opposite corner of the restaurant from the man, and he pointed it out to Mike. They strolled over to the table, one of them on each side, and immediately spotted the little hallway that led to the restrooms and kitchen. Mike studied the big man in his peripheral vision. He didn't like the vibe the man gave off. His bulky body was squeezed tight into the booth, while his meaty arms took up a good portion of the table. A waitress in western clothes and a headscarf stopped at the man's table and picked up the dirty plate. Omar Zafar nodded at her in thanks, but withheld a smile. She scurried off and grabbed a couple menus. Melina never spoke to Amar beyond what was required of her as a waitress, and she never smiled or did anything that could be interpreted as flirting with him. Although she'd never seen him do anything, she'd heard stories about his type. Omar scared her. Noticing the two men who sat in the corner, Melina headed for their table with the menus. Welcome. Her voice was soft and feminine. Her hazel eyes darted between Jack and Mike. She'd never seen them before in the restaurant. They looked powerful, just as powerful as Omar. She wasn't sure what to think of the two Americans who reminded her of bodybuilders. Mike and Jack accepted the menus from the waitress. Jack noted her name tag and set the menu on the table in front of her. Giving her a smile, he asked, What do you recommend? Melina tilted her head and took in both men. They looked tough, but for some reason she trusted them more than she trusted Omar, and he was a regular. There was a light in their eyes that Omar's eyes lacked. The Sultan's Feast platter has a variety of options, she began. It's basically a tasting platter of our most popular items. It has both beef and chicken. The meats are spiced differently, so you'll notice different flavors. They come with rice and pita bread. Mike nodded at her, giving her a smile. Sounds good. I'll take that. He wasn't that hungry since he'd just eaten pizza, but he had to order something. Jack handed his menu back to the waitress. You've convinced me. Wonderful, Melina said, and tapped the menus on the table to align them. Then she walked away and placed their order. Fetching a pitcher of water, she stopped by Omar's table to set down his bill and then made her way back to Mike and Jack. After giving them a quick smile, she filled their glasses and then made her way around to the other tables. Mike was pleased to see the bulky man in the corner set his credit card on the bill. Melina took the payment and headed to the cash register. From what he saw of Melina's body language, she was afraid of the man. 
Retrieving his cell from his pocket, Mike pulled up the camera app and subtly snapped a picture of the man as he searched up a late-night comedian act. He'd be sure to send the photo to Logan so he could run a search on the man. He chuckled and pointed at the screen, then made a show of handing his cell to Jack. Jack laughed as he watched the comedian rip on politicians on Mike's cell. He purposely avoided looking at the man in the corner. He didn't want to alert him, but he knew that Mike had an eye on him. Melina's heart raced as she neared Omar's table. There were rumors that Omar was involved in some anti-American groups. She didn't know for sure, but she didn't doubt it. He never smiled, not even when her boss, the owner, spoke to him. She would swear that Suleiman Shah was afraid of the man, too. She wished he would discourage Omar's patronage, but she knew that would never happen. It was better not to cross some men, and Omar was one of those men. Melina's nerves jittered as she set Omar's credit card and receipt back on the table. She nodded slightly and walked to the other customer a few tables away. She couldn't wait for him to leave. Some nights, Omar would hang out at his table until closing, just sipping on coffee that she had to continually refill. She didn't want him lingering around because she was afraid that he'd follow her into the dark night. She'd be happy when he was gone. Omar Zafar didn't like the appearance of the two men who entered the restaurant. He'd never seen them before, but they looked like military. They held themselves with the arrogance that had been drilled into them by their superiors. He knew their hands had blood on them, just like his own. Omar squeezed his body out from behind the table and inserted his credit card into the wallet. Shoving his wallet into his back pocket, he eyed the two men as he made his way out of the door. He'd keep an eye out for them. They could end up being a problem that he needed to solve. Melina returned to their table, balancing a platter of food on each hand. Here you are, gentlemen. Enjoy, she added with a smile and then walked away. Jack ripped off a section of the soft pita bread and shoved it into his mouth. He was glad when the man in the corner had walked out. He could finally do some looking around. He cocked his head in the direction of the hallway and stood. Mike stabbed a piece of beef with his fork. Melina had been right. The platter had been a great choice. He chewed the spicy meat as Jack walked away from the table and disappeared down the hallway. Jack made his way down the short hallway. Three doors stood before him. Two of the doors bore the universal signs of restrooms. The other door was labeled with a private, do not enter sign. Too bad Jack had never been good at following directions. Turning the knob, Jack realized that it was locked. That wouldn't be a problem. Taking a quick glance... He retrieved his lock-picking tools from his pocket and turned the lock. After another glance down the hallway, he opened the door. Wooden stairs descended in front of him. He eased onto the top step and silently closed the door behind him. The stairway was dark, so he pulled out the tiny flashlight he carried around. A narrow beam of light cut a swath through the darkness. He made his way down the steps, alert for anything. At the base of the stairs, he knew he'd hit the jackpot. Shelving lined the wall. Boxes of spices and cans of food filled the spaces, but he couldn't help but notice the unlabeled brown boxes. They seemed out of place among the food items. Melina opened the cupboard in the kitchen looking for napkins. There was a lull in the restaurant, and she wanted to get an early start on refilling the napkin containers. If she finished her duties early, she'd be allowed to leave earlier than usual. She wanted to get home to catch the holiday special on television. 
With a frustrated sigh, she shut the cupboard and realized that she was stuck. The basement contained boxes and napkins, but she wasn't allowed to go down there. She hadn't asked why when she was told that the basement was off-limits. Some questions were better left unasked. She'd seen Omar stand guard and disappear behind the basement door. She didn't want to know what was down there. Seeing Mariam, Solomon's wife at the cash register, Melina approached the co-owner of Sultan's Feast. Excuse me, Mrs. Shaw? Mariam turned to face Melina. She'd always liked the college student. Melina was a hard worker, and Mariam would miss her when she graduated and moved on to medical school. Yes, Melina, Mariam replied. Melina smiled and spoke softly. We are out of napkins. Are there more in the basement? Mariam sighed. She'd been stressed all day. She wasn't sure what her brother-in-law, Adil, had been up to, but she wasn't happy that he'd spent the previous night in the basement, and then that ugly Omar had been skulking around too. She hoped that whatever Adil was up to wouldn't have negative consequences for them. Yes, I'll get them, Mariam replied, patting Melina's hand. Check the guest's beverages. See who needs refills. When you're done with that, you may go home. Melina had talked all week about the holiday special on television. Mariam didn't want her to miss it. Melina nodded and beamed. Thank you. You're welcome, Mariam replied, patting Melina's hand. Melina quickly surveyed the dining room. One of the two muscular men was absent while the other was focused on his cell phone. She shook her head in disgust. People were too caught up with their phones and technology. She saw it all the time. Couples and families eating together, but never saying a word because their eyes were locked in the little screen in their hands. Shit. Mike had overheard the two women talking at the cash register. Of all the times for the woman to head to the basement. He watched her disappear down the hallway and then he stood. He'd have to contain this. Miriam dug in her pocket for the key to the basement. She hated going down there. She knew Adil kept things down there, but she never looked in the boxes. She had a feeling that she didn't want to know what was in them. She was powerless to do anything about it, so she didn't see the reason to add the weight of knowledge to her heart. Jack strode to the shelves and pulled out a box. Lifting it, he noted that it was much heavier than he expected. Setting it on the table in the center of the room, he pulled back the lid and lit the interior of the box with his flashlight. Shoving the key into the keyhole, Mariam turned the key and opened the door. She hit the light switch, illuminating the stairs and the bowels of the storage room. Jack's head snapped up when the lights clicked on. Looking around for a place to hide, he saw a pile of stacked boxes and stood behind it. Mariam's shoes clicked softly on the wooden stairs. Anger still fumed in her. Solomon's brother, Adil, was the worst kind of Muslim. Adil had no respect for anyone who differed the slightest from his beliefs. She was grateful that her husband was a good man and pitied Amani for having to put up with Adil's ignorant foolishness. Stepping onto the concrete floor, Mariam bypassed Adil's mysterious boxes and headed for the shelf on the opposite side of the room. She'd wanted to peek into Adil's boxes on several occasions, but she believed the saying that curiosity killed the cat, so she faithfully pretended that the boxes weren't there. Once, she'd stumbled upon boxes of ammo, and that had been bad enough. Since then, she'd always been careful to avert her eyes. She didn't want to accidentally become aware of anything that had no business being in their basement. Mike eased his way down the stairs. 
just waiting for one of the boards to creak and announce his presence. Jack watched Miriam from the shadows of the stack of boxes. She'd gone straight to the napkins, grabbed a box of them, and turned around. Her eyes narrowed on the box sitting on the table. Anger at seeing the big box sitting on the table fueled her. If deal was going to leave his stuff here, he could at least have the decency to keep it out of the way. Stepping up to the table, she set the box of napkins on it and pulled back the lid. Her heart raced as she gripped the heavy cardboard of the box as she processed its contents. Guns of all kinds filled the box. Why would a deal need all those guns? Mike silently approached her from behind as she was absorbed with the contents of the box. Stepping up behind her, he slid one hand around her face and covered her mouth. The other hand snaked around her waist and held her to him. Fear flooded Miriam when the hand clamped over her mouth. She tried to push back and knock the stranger off balance, but it didn't work. Digging her nails into his arm, she tried to pry herself free, but he was too strong. Grunting and struggling did no good. His arm that encircled her waist just pulled her more tightly against him. Jack stepped out of the shadows and approached her with his finger pressed against his lips, signaling her to be quiet. He hated the fear he saw in her eyes. They didn't want to hurt her, but they needed to know what was going on. Jack recognized her from her license. Miriam, he soothed, stretching out his hand in a calming gesture. We aren't going to hurt you, but we need to ask you some questions. The hand over her mouth smelled of spices and she instantly recognized the patron that approached her from the shadows as one of the two men who entered earlier. She concluded that the dark-haired one held her against him. Tears flooded her eyes as her heart raced. Jack stepped next to her, doing his best not to appear threatening. I'm going to search you for weapons. He held out his hands, letting her see that they were empty. Don't panic. He soothed and shook his head. At his words, her eyes widened and her chest heaved as he patted her down. She'd never been so humiliated as she stood there defenseless. Jack felt the cell phone in her pocket and pulled it out. Tapping the home button, he realized it was locked. He held the phone up to her. I need you to unlock this. The way he said it left no question of choice for her. She nodded and let go of the arm that covered her mouth. She held out shaky hands to accept the phone. Jack set the phone in her hand, and she used her fingerprint to unlock the cell. Taking it back, he said, Thank you. Glancing over the home screen on the phone, he looked at her again and said, Would you like to sit? He pointed at the empty chair beside the table. My friend will let you go, but you have to promise to be quiet. Can I trust you? Mike hated this. He felt like a fucking bully scaring this woman but they didn't want her drawing attention to them. He also wasn't sure how long they'd have until Omar returned to the restaurant, possibly with reinforcements. When she nodded yes to Jack's question and blinked, her tears moistened Mike's hands. Thank you for sharing your time with me. I appreciate your support. You will find more audiobooks at tinyurl.com slash cherishlively and on tinyurl.com slash Dream, cherish. To keep up with the various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively. Goodbye.